0: Hello, and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and unless you've been living under a rock, no matter where you are in the world tonight, then you probably know that shortly before noon today, noon Eastern time, Joseph Robinette Biden was declared the winner in the 2020 presidential race and declared the 46th president of the United States of America. And unless you were still under that rock, you also know that Kamala Devi Harris was also elected as our nation's first woman vice president and first person of color vice president. Uh, Ms Harris being both African-American and uh, and uh, Indian as well so we have quite a lot to celebrate here and I know for myself as an African-American woman it was very moving for me and uh, to share this moment with my children, particularly my daughter, and so many of my friends who we have uh, so many years participated on every conceivable level politically, going back to college and for some of us, even high school. And to see this moment unfold is just nothing short of remarkable. And that is not to undermine the achievement for President-elect Biden, because I certainly am a supporter of his as well and truly believe that if there is a shot of trying to pull together what the country has revealed itself to be, Over the past several years, he is the person who has just as good a shot at any as anyone in tackling that job. I think this is actually where the 47 years in D.C. that. Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, and the Republicans would like to tout as, oh, my gosh, he's been there so many times. This is where those years of relationships and coalition building and respect for one's peers, both his for them and them for him, comes into play. Because ultimately, no matter how divided people may be on the issue of who is the president of the United States as of January 21st, 2021, there is one thing that I can't imagine that most decent people, no matter where you stand, uh, as far as Democrats and, and Republican or independent, progressive, Green Party, all of those people, that there's one thing that most right-thinking, decent people who just want to live with their families in peace and hopefully get us a piece of this American dream that has been sold like a bill of goods to all of us, you just want some, you just want that. You want peace, although in a different way, of course. You want your politicians or your elected officials to actually be doing what you elected them to do did you did any of us i would hope we didn't really elect people to represent us and go into washington dc to act like clowns to fight to filibuster, to make sure that absolutely nothing gets done just because you don't like the person that it came from. Not because the policy is fundamentally bad or what the proposal was is just so abhorrent to you, but simply because you didn't like who proposed it with no, I, no, um, hope or leaning towards attempting to work together to come up with something that you all can agree on but just to shut down the idea of even attempting to work together merely because of who proposed it or to take one bill let's say it's a wildlife bill And toss something else in there that has absolutely nothing to do with wildlife, like something ridiculous regarding abortion or some type of random $20,000 toilet just to muddy the waters. Because you know that either the other side isn't going to vote for it if they catch it, or you can get some bullshit passed if they don't, and that item does, because that person or those individuals are just desperate enough to get that measure passed. Is that really what we sent our representatives there to do? And if it is, shame on you. I'm not even going to try to say, well, you know, that's the political game. I know how the game is played. I know the game. Hell, I deal with it in a whole other level in the courtroom. And I'm still going to say it. Shame on you. No different than anybody that goes into the courtroom and is trying to seek anything but justice, whether it is justice on the behalf of the people or justice on behalf of your client. Shame on you if you're going in there trying to seek anything other than that. If I go into the courtroom and I'm looking to do anything other than protect the rights and interests of my client... Whether I believe they are innocent or guilty, they have rights guaranteed to them by the Constitution. And if I go in there and do anything other than look out for their interests based on the rights that they have. The prosecution has a case to prove with all the resources of the state. If you are able to prove it, then God damn it, prove it. But if there are actual elements of the crime that you can't prove, I'm not doing my job if I don't make sure that my client doesn't go down when there's things that you just can't prove and shame on me for doing otherwise. And shame on any prosecutor who tries to take anybody down for that. It is the same thing. We all have jobs to do. We all have lives to live. I don't care what it is that you're doing for a living. Shame on you if you go into that with anything other than the best intentions, especially when other people's lives are in your hands. Now, back to this, because as you can tell, there's a lot today that has made me happy, passionately happy, but some things that have made me equally sad. So I'm going to just take a breather. (sighs) stop shaming people, and we're going to get to the next part. So where do we stand with this election? Because for some people, they would say it's over. The Democrats would like it to be over. Why? Your candidate won. Now, there's some runoffs like uh, in Georgia, and we've talked about that over the course of the week, and that's still going to happen with the two Senate seats, and I think there's at least one runoff that I'm aware of um, someplace else. But those, Georg- that Georgia one is extremely important, especially given the showing that Georgia has made so far. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting because we're going into winter, the COVID numbers are up, but that ground game that Stacey Abrams and others have, have kept going for the past several years in Georgia, They have more incentive than ever to keep that game going straight through to the Senate. Now, the positive for Democrats in that instance is there was a very different kind of campaigning that was done. Uh, The individuals in Georgia, particularly led by the Democrats and Stacey Abrams, kind of played a long game with this, especially coming out of the disappointment two years ago with all the shenanigans that went down in the governor's race. So aside from the people and everyone having something, understandably, to prove in this literally show up and show out, there has been a tremendous amount of education of their voters, uh, primarily by virtue of what happened, that actually gave incentive to make sure that voters had a full um, understanding of the process, what was at stake, not just the presidency, but also the Senate. That bodes very well going into a runoff because you have a very passionate, um, educated, or more educated than they used to be um, electorate who uh, understands, uh, understood full well even going into this, that it wasn't just about the presidency, that everything they were trying to do down that ticket was much bigger than just the presidency whereas on the other side you did not have that level of depth in terms of the voters it was all about what it's always been about especially from uh especially from Republicans under Trump, is elect me, elect me, elect me, show up on election day, elect me. Now, has there been a lot of money pumped into the Senate campaigns? Sure. I mean, that comes with any campaign, but the stakes were not made quite as high. I think it was pretty much taken for granted by those individuals that they would get elected because, you know, you expect for people to vote down the ticket and that's fine. I mean, that's that's the expectation in a lot of places. However, as we know, people don't turn out the same way for elections that aren't national elections. And we can talk all day about why that's silly. And I've certainly talked about it here, about why that's silly, because obviously those other races affect your life a lot more and a little bit more acutely. We don't always have a pandemic going on. We don't always have a national crisis as it relates to healthcare. Typically, things that happen on the national level don't have the same trickle-down to us on an everyday basis. They do in a very broad sense, but certainly not um, in an everyday sense. Uh, They kind of get caught up with dealing with our officials on the state level, and then it kind of works its way down to us in a way that makes sense depending on where you live. Right now, we have uh, two very big issues that affect people more personally, but that is not something that we are used to. So it's just, you know, so people just don't, um, they just don't get involved. So that, and, and that is why I say the runoffs, if the ground game keeps going the way it has, especially on the Democrat side it is going to bode very well for them or could going into the Senate race. Now, there is certainly time because I'm not, uh, you know, I consider myself to be plenty smart, but I am not the only person anywhere that this is occurring to. Uh, As much as I may pay attention to it and study it and love talking about it, there are individuals whose job it is to make these assessments. That being said, I am sure that the Republicans realize that they have work to do to essentially get their ground game going on the same level as the Democrats to make sure that all of those individuals who came out primarily just because they were voting in a national election and while they were there just happened to vote down the ticket actually come out again. So there's also um and now there there the one area that that may be of concern um and I guess we'll just have to see how that works out because I'm sure it's going to be something that is going to be among the myriad of court cases around the country and including uh multiple cases in Georgia the question of how that voting is going to take place, whether or not, especially in a runoff election, which happens a lot quicker compared to, you know, uh, the planning of a national election, whether or not they will allow early voting and mail-in voting. Now, despite the arguments, the inevitable arguments that The Republicans will make against it as they always have throughout this process. We still are dealing with a national health crisis that appears to not only be rising to the levels that we were uh, last spring when everything really, you know, when we all went into quarantine and all that, but It may even be at the point of surpassing it, considering that we have had record-breaking nights, and not record-breaking as in, oh, these are high numbers compared to uh, what went on in September and October, but record-breaking as it relates to the height of this pandemic, or what used to be the height of this pandemic, because we may be even you know, on a whole other level now last spring with numbers coming in at a hundred thousand. Uh, I want to say what's today, Saturday, a hundred thousand overnight on, I guess, Thursday and a Friday, 140,000 overnight Friday into Saturday. Uh, the death toll is climbing again. I believe it was about 15 or 1600, uh, overnight. So, um, However horrible that is, I mean, I I hate to refer to something so horrific as it relates to um, voting, but I I bring that up to say that that will certainly present a compelling reason as it already has, but certainly now um, it's going to present a compelling reason for allowing of advanced voting and um, mail-in voting to occur again we'll see because unfortunately as with anything you take the good with the bad and the downside to that or the argument for the other side depending on how you feel about it is that because of the record number of mail-in votes and early voting that took place in the national election And what seems to be the length or not seems to be, it is the length of time that it is taking for those votes to be counted and um, the varying procedures that seem to be causing headaches to the secretaries of states around the country. And in Georgia in particular, you have um, Trump supporting um, a a, a very strong Trump-leaning secretary of state governor um, who was the secretary of state. And we know that he certainly has some questionable ethics in my opinion of course based uh based on the fact that he was a sitting secretary of state who did not recuse himself when he was running for governor in a race that had some questionable results and so so there's there's a lot of messy incestuous <laughs> inbreeding going on there as it relates to the individuals that uh, are going to be involved in how this runoff takes place. So Georgia, as as it relates to litigation and how this whole runoff and everything takes place, is going to be a very interesting state to watch on a number of different levels. So there's my take as it relates to Georgia. Now, getting into the overall results right now, as of, well, I'm saying now, but as of about 10.30 p.m., because, of course, as you know, I always check before I come on the air, the uh, electoral results stand as follows. CNN, as we know, um, we have said repeatedly, has been conservative throughout this entire thing has are are holding at 279 because as they have been reluctant to do since giving it and taking it back on wednesday they will not declare arizona for uh for joseph biden they did allow nevada because the numbers in nevada although not extremely high are, um, it, they have steadily grown. So based on the trend and the number of votes left over, it, again, not, sh- uh, the number isn't shooting through the roof, but that's just not the kind of numbers that they have anyway. But the trend has gone up and considering that they started at like seven or 8,000, the fact that it's closer to like 22,000 is significant. Um. Georgia number, again, has been steadily climbing because of the overall number of votes in Georgia that has, uh, it's already understood, and we talked about this last night, that there's going to be a recount there, but the lead for Joe Biden has widened such that, as, as previously discussed, if there is a recount, unless huge swaths of votes are thrown out for one reason or another, it will just be one of those things where if he he'll win it by a narrow margin, but nonetheless, still win it. Okay, what is the other one? I said Arizona is declared by Fox, which is why if you go to a Fox station, you see Biden with 290. Um, but undeclared by CNN, which has them at 279. Arizona, I suspect the reason why um, CNN is still reluctant is because there was that huge lead on Wednesday, which then went to about 48,000 on Thursday, around 39,000 yesterday. And there's about a 19,000 spread now. I think Fox is still considering it to be Biden's In the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter because the big prize, um, and North Carolina, just quick and dirty, I don't know why they won't just declare that for Trump. I know that they say that they've got a crap load of votes coming in, but uh, Trump is still leading by 75,000. So uh, while it may not be the well over 100,000 that they started with, I, I, I don't see that state flipping it. You know, it, maybe there's something else going on, but based on the numbers that uh, the number of votes that they said they still have, I don't see it happening. So they might as well declare that for President Trump, it would certainly make him very happy so that he doesn't have this uh, oddly low um, electoral vote. And they just it just let him have it. Hell, give him Arizona, the big prize here, especially as it relates to President Trump, and more importantly, if he lost it, he was gonna be a doa no matter what happened in any of the other states because of where Biden was. Whether you're looking at the Fox model or the CNN model, was Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania, with his twenty electoral votes, would put um, would put Biden and did put Biden at 273 on the CNN model and 284 on the Fox model. And then of course, once you add um, Nevada on there, which everybody is pretty much saying uh, that's Biden's, then you've got the, the 279 on the one model and the 290 on the other. So Pennsylvania is, was absolutely the determining factor in terms of where we are now with a projection of Joe Biden as president and him, you know, taking that as I'm moving forward with this, i going to make the speeches, have let everybody do their celebrating and all of that get it out the way because we've got work to do, especially given that we are uh, and I'm talking we as if I were a part of his team so um, And I don't mean that I am. I'm just saying from a legal perspective and a political perspective, it just makes sense. If you know you've got the numbers, just move ahead. There's no point in playing around. Have your team in place, which, you know, certainly is transition team is well in place. Again, that is where all of those years will come into place. You are not picking a bunch of yahoos that have never been to D.C. and probably the only time they spent in a White House office what was the White House visitor's office when they were getting their pass to take a tour. Uh, that Those are not the types of individuals that we expect to see. Now, are there going to be some appointments that'll come from other parts of the country? Sure. I mean, there are many of us who are clamoring to see uh, Stacey Abrams there and quite a few others and not just like a reward. These individuals earned these spots and showed what they can do, particularly uh, Stacey Abrams as it relates to uh, what she does on the ground in terms of educating and bringing people together and bringing people to the table. So um, she has shown her effectiveness at that. I have a few ideas we could talk about that later in the week, I just have a few things I want to get through tonight as it relate to the race. But uh at any rate, he knows that at this point, if we can get all of this who win, who won, or who lost stuff wrapped up wrapped up over the weekend, probably some more celebration, church and all that stuff tomorrow, which is fine. Then on Monday, I've got to get my team and we've got to make some plans because sadly, this is going to be a transition that is going to happen. I, you know, all of this, well, Trump's not going to leave or whatever. He can do whatever he wants to do. If when all the dust clears, you lost, you go. Whether by hook, by crook, wheelbarrow, somebody carrying you out or you walk out like a grown ass man with us with some pride on your own two feet. If when everything settles and all the challenges are over, you're not that guy, then that's the end of it. Unfortunately, because, which is the point I'm getting to, because of all the challenges and the resistance to even accept that you didn't win the election and all of that, this is not going to be a transition that will be I don't want to use the word peaceful because that would uh, give the impression that I expect there to be some type of violence, and I don't. Um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Um, one that is done with a certain level of cooperation. Because even as much as, uh, as for as much vitriol that uh, President Trump may have, had or felt as it relates to President Obama. And I don't doubt, as we now know, despite the grace shown at the time that the feeling is mutual, uh, President Obama didn't have any reason not to participate in the transition uh, because whether he liked it or not, since he had done eight years, he was going to be leaving regardless. Didn't matter who won. His job as it relates to making sure that there was some level of a cooperative transfer of power and information that he could look back upon and, and feel that he did the right thing by the American people, because ultimately it is about us and them doing that properly keeps things functioning for us. So despite whatever those two individuals may have felt about one another, President Trump did have the benefit of someone doing that with him. Potentially, uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris do not have that same attitude Um, and and I'm saying attitude coming from those in the White House under Trump, not to mention the fact that most of his staff are not traditional D.C. White House operatives, not anybody except for probably the lower level staff um, that they would keep anyway. So this is where, once again, you want to um talk smack about people who understand Washington and have having been in Washington for many years and are being a part of the establishment this is where um that very thing that you criticize him for actually will come in handy because number 1 he was there already for 8 years uh, number 2 as it relates to uh Senator, now Vice President-elect Harris, while she was not in the White House, she has been uh, in D.C. for a hot minute now. And um, there are certain connections and um, let's just say there's folks who talk to folks who know the folks that need to be talked to. So I have every confidence that the transition will happen and it will be as smooth as we can see it being from the outside. It'll be sort of like a ballet. We will see the beautiful presentation of Swan Lake Lake or Sleeping Beauty on stage, but we will not see the hair pulling and bun slinging and, uh, ballerinas putting tax in each other's point shoes that goes on backstage. And you know, and and that's fine because we don't need to because all that does is undermine Americans confidence in the system and in their leaders. And we have had more than enough of that. And what makes it worse when That Those types of shenanigans go on that, again, undermine that confidence is that most people, the overwhelming majority of people, whether you voted or not, no matter how many books they read or not, the overwhelming majority of people do not truly understand how all of this works. And that's fine. You don't necessarily have to because if it's running well and things are being done as they're supposed to and and your basic rights are being um, upheld and respected and you have people in office who are not trying to rip you off, then you're good with not having to know the inner workings of what happens all day, every day in an office, like you're watching an episode of Veep. So, and and that's why you want to be educated about who you elect, because whether it is in your local organization, your fraternity, your sorority, or anything else, you want to feel comfortable that you can elect them and then go and Do what you do every day to take care of your family and live your dream with your family. Take care of your parents if you are in a sandwich generation situation. All of those things, you elect those people and they get a salary because they go and deal with that stuff, which is why it's so important who you elect. Now let's get down to business. The speeches. I wanted to go to Wilmington so bad. Shout out to my friend Josie because she was gassed up and ready to go. But tomorrow we do plan to go to D.C. to cartwheel on Black Lives Matter way. And I absolutely plan to do some level of recording there so that you can hear us making our own little historic statement downtown. But it looked like a great time. It also looked like a potential super spreader event. I understand that um, President-elect Biden is far more concerned about covid as it relates to individuals wearing masks and keeping distance and all of that and it showed in how he has handled campaigns and sort of the anti-rally campaigns and drive-bys and honks and all of that stuff but you know you really can't control people i do appreciate that there was at least the attempt doing it outside of the arena as opposed to inside the arena, essentially in the parking lot so that people can pull up in their cars and pick up trucks and sort of have a drive-in slash, um, uh, what do you call it? Tailgating kind of feel and, having uh, the projectors, huge projectors and things projected off of buildings. I think it was an excellent idea because if nothing else, at least it kept people outside, which is more helpful than if you had them uh, inside of a building breathing recycled air. But ultimately, I still felt very, I, I felt all COVID tingly, (laughs) <laughs> I'm watching it um it, it was really good now you heard the part that um earlier and if you watch the speech is great i'm not going to regurgitate them and i'll play some of uh president-elect biden's as we go out but Primarily the reactions. I thought uh, now we're going to have my little moment where I get a little frivolous because again, this is not always a politics channel. I thought I'm I'm a woman. I like to see women look good, and I loved uh, President uh, um, Vice President-elect Harris coming out absolutely radiant in the cream suit. She rocked it to Mary J. Blige. Yes, I am hoping for. Um, an inauguration in whatever form it takes place where Mary J gets to perform that live, because that has absolutely been, uh, I want to call her Senator Harris, but its it has been um, President Vice President-elect, I'm going to say Madam Vice President, that has been Madam Vice President-elect's um, theme song every time she comes out. And I just mentioned the fact that she was radiant because it was just happiness. I don't think it would have mattered whether it was the cream suit, which I loved, or anything else. She radiated happiness and joy and just genuine excitement. And I love that because there's gonna be many days where she is probably going to be radiating, why the F did I take this job? So, and the same thing with my boy, Joe, I wanted to see the shades, but it was dark. He came out in his suit. I love that tie. I was like, okay, with the tie, the tie's looking hot. I loved it. And then he jogged out. I said, yeah, show him you can get your jog on, Joe. So that, I like that. That was fly, you know, get, you know, got that tailored suit, going with your bad self. So that was uh, that was really cool. Now what she did, I thought was great, you know, because it was great that I, I feel like they gave her that moment because this was truly a historic moment that you couldn't just let pass despite the fact that typically the person who speaks, is uh, is the president or the president-elect, but I, I appreciated that, and I appreciated the fact that there was an understanding on the part of whether it was Biden or the campaign as a whole, how important that was, especially considering that Even for those who will take the route as someone did on my Twitter and say, well, she was chosen just because she was a black woman. And my response was not to, was probably surprising to you, wasn't to argue that point. Okay, and Sarah Palin was chosen merely because she was a woman. Qualifications be damned. Because we certainly know there wasn't any. And don't even get me started on Serena Joy, who's sitting up there on the Supreme Court, who we will be stuck with for the next 40 years while she learns to do a job that she was not qualified for. At least if there was a reason she was chosen other than her qualifications, guess what? At least she was qualified. And if part of the reason was so that they felt that they could get a little bit more assurance that black women would play a key role in delivering the vote, guess what? We freaking do that anyway. So we did it for her. And next, what else you got? Because that's what I said to that person. What else you got? We have already shown that we show up, show out, and whoever we decide we want to show up on that stage, unless we ally with someone who lies, 53% of white women for uh, Donald Trump in 2016, then we'll get the job done, right? Right? Need I remind you of your kid touching judge in Georgia and how that was handled, and more importantly, who handled it? So, okay, I have been chosen or not chosen for things, and I'm sure Senator Harris has as well, or I'm sorry, President, Vice President elect Harris, for reasons far worse than her ethnicity but like in instances involving myself and in this one involving her at least she's qualified oh well and ultimately do you think that if that was the case or even part of the case that this woman who ran an office second only in size to the Department of Justice itself in the state of California, where she had to be elected in order to do that? Do you think she didn't know? Okay. But guess what? While you're sitting around worried about why she was chosen, she's a heartbeat away from the presidency. So while you worry about her being chosen because she's Black, she'll be hanging out at the Oval Office, learning the big job just in case she has to take it. Or in the alternative, preparing for when she runs because our president-elect in four years will be 82 and chances are won't do this crap again. Next. And again, if I sound a little feisty, so be it. So I'm going to end with a couple of things about um, how people felt about this. I'm going to start one with uh, Van Jones. Van Jones, uh, as you all know, is a commentator, uh, very well known on uh, CNN. And um, I've actually talked about some of the things he said earlier this week because he made some very interesting um, comments that I referred to as it related to the Sun Belt and why places like Arizona and Texas that should not have been a concern for the Republicans because they usually aren't why they were this year. And, And I thought he was dead on. And so I brought that to your attention. And so this morning, when uh, Joseph Biden was declared winner, he uh, got very emotional when Anderson Cooper um, asked him how he felt about it. And it's one of those things where, it aside from the fact that he was emotional and it's hard to watch somebody get emotional without getting emotional. But it wasn't just, I think what was so moving for many of us wasn't just the fact That he um, allowed his motions to show, and why, you know, they just did that live and it was what it was, and why it's trending. It was why, in terms of what this meant to him and what it meant to him, especially as a Black man and as a father, which also echo the feelings as well as people who have felt a certain way as it relates to religious persecution as well as immigrants in this country. So I'm going to play that for you. And then I'm going to talk uh, briefly about um, what is so revealing as we got to the point of this election, because I don't think that this election uh, for at least those of us who are not shy about discussing these issues, or even if you are those of us in the African-American community, this was not new to us. Everybody's talking about, oh my gosh, this revealed so much in the divide, the divide, the divide. Where have you been? Do you all actually have black friends or associates or is that something you just toss out whenever you have to prove that you're not a racist? Because if you actually have black friends and associates, you probably wouldn't have had you probably wouldn't have to ask them if they're actually your friends. I would hope that you can openly have these conversations. But if not, if you felt a little shy, then maybe you should ask them when they knew there was a divide in this country because I can guarantee you it was not November 3rd, 2020. It was not November 1st, 2016. It was not back in 2008, Obama won. It was not for those who have lived long enough, who lived through a, Ronald Reagan's campaign in 1980, when he evoked the same racist rhetoric and images, except then he used the myth of the welfare queen in order to run in exactly the same way that Donald Trump did. But of course, because he is held out as this elder statesman, people want to gloss over the fact that this whole MAGA playbook was. Ronald Reagan, 1980, 2.0, but nobody's going to talk about that. So ask anybody that you know when we knew that this country was divided. Ask those of us who marched and, and were involved in the situation when the Rodney King verdict came down. Ask anybody who was a victim of the Rampart Squad in L.A. when Johnny Cochran began to, uh, you know, make his bones trying cases against the LAPD. Let's talk about the go-go 80 years and what trickle-down economics really meant for people of color. Or how the crack epidemic was handled how the AIDS epidemic was handled because there's division on so many different levels. And even as it relates to that, it is still different with people of color. So let's not, we can pretend all day long that it didn't exist and maybe, just maybe, it doesn't exist for many because it's not in your face. You can deny and plausibly deny what doesn't exist for you. If difference or being treated different doesn't exist for you, then okay. But when someone points out that it does, or when you are confronted with the fact that it does, don't pretend that it doesn't at that point. Now, if you want to be quiet about it, that's fine. If you want to just be an ally to the jonda you know, and, you know, just... Pretend that all is well with the jaundice that you don't. That's fine. That's between you and whatever higher power you do, you believe in or don't believe in. Or like Joe Biden says, you know, the angels and demons, whether you ascribe to one or the other. That's between you and whichever of those you invite to your party. It is not just the systematic racism that hurts people who look like me. It is the deliberate denial when you know it exists that hurts even more. Because I can't beat you up for something. Now, let's not pretend you don't know because it's 2020. You do know. I don't want to hear that you grew up in a town where there were no black people, and whatever, whatever, because you also wouldn't have televisions, uh, internet, um, newspapers, any of that. And we know you do because it's those hickey, goofy people that always end up dating people on 90 Day Fiance. So we know you got internet access because middle America is the largest uh, watchers of porn. Just pull the statistics And what is porn driven by? The internet. Well, actually, developments in the internet are actually driven by porn. So let's not pretend that you can't get online and you can't Google. Or that you've never seen things happen on television because people in other countries, people in third world countries, manage to find out about this stuff. That's why even they have an opinion on whether or not Donald Trump is president again. I've had an opportunity to travel. Oh, they know. And it doesn't matter how much they make or they don't. It is the denial. That is just as insidious because when we talk about this whole notion of systematic racism, the denial is also a part of that uh, a a part of that systemic racism is just as much of a part of it as the acts itself, because then you put band-aids on things and say, well, it doesn't exist anymore. You can vote. Had the civil rights act doesn't exist anymore. Slavery doesn't exist anymore. Okay. So I'm going to give you Van Jones and then I'm going to close out uh, with uh, some final comments with uh, some words from a, a, a pastor who I really enjoy. A pastor from Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, Howard John Wesley, and uh, he gave a very powerful um, teaching this evening. And I just happened to listen to it and, it, and it really relates. And it's not overly churchy. You'll you'll get it in a few moments because it's not you know, all me beating you over the head with religion. It really is about um, some of the the reveals in this election. But at any rate, listen to Van Jones, and this at least helps you capture the emotion. Okay, I'm pulling this up. Oh, all right, here we go. Okay, it was Van Jones from CNN. And finally, this is, I, I thought that this was um, just some thoughts to take with because this is going to be a conversation that is definitely going to go on. And I will say this there are a lot of things that people expect will be magically cured, there is no magic pill to change anything that has happened in this country, that will happen in this country. It's kind of like the weight you gain when you're having a baby. For most of us regular people, non-celebrities or, you know, uber money people who can hire a staff with a chef and a personal trainer. For a lot of us, it takes us just as much time to lose the weight as it did for us to gain it especially when we gain a whole bunch of weight that doesn't have shit to do with the baby. So yes, there is a problem. I do agree with him that there's a problem in the heart and soul of America, but there always was. So I don't expect that Joe Biden or uh, Kamala Harris are going to come in and solve those problems. If they are instrumental in helping to bring people to the table, fine. If they are instrumental in at least helping to calm the rhetoric that tends to get people wound up and perhaps gets, that encourages folks to go to their uh, mutual corners, fine. If there is some federal mandates as it relates to criminal justice reform that then permeates through the the state systems that helps as it relates to local communities, community release, uh, policing, mass incarceration, um, just all of those things that contribute to the tension between citizens and police departments across the country. Great. So all those things are fantastic. Now, we know we have some priorities immediately out the gate. We've got folks getting sick and potentially going into the hospital, at least a portion of them, uh, climbing and we're going into the winter months we don't know how that is going to impact this disease that mutates constantly and um, and then of course it combined with normal flu season and all of that again we'll have another conversation about that another day. I have a wonderful wonderful uh, doctor friend who I am looking very forward to to uh having on the air he is just absolutely amazing and on the front lines of this disease so he is way smarter than i am and will bring him on so i hope once again that people understand as i have continued to say and i will reiterate many times this is a marathon and not a sprint that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not going to change our lives overnight, in the course of weeks, in the course of months, may, maybe not even in the course of a year or two, except for maybe you know dealing with uh, a few major crises, i.e., um, COVID and healthcare, and and part of the healthcare issue is because it is being forced back into crisis mode. By the Trump administration's insistence on unraveling the Affordable Care Act without something else to put in its place, we also have the um, situation that uh, President Obama dealt with for the his entire second term and even a portion the the latter portion of his first term, um, which is the fact that. Uh, President-elect Biden may be dealing with um, a divided Congress, essentially having a house that still, even though there was a couple of seats lost, it's still um, a Democratic-run house, and a Republican-run Senate, or one that is divided in such a way that he can't necessarily depend on things getting through because right now it's 48, 48, a couple of races have not been called. You've got the runoff in Georgia and then there's a few independents in there. So there still may be some issues getting things through the Senate, especially if your Senate leadership is still the likes of Mitch McConnell and and um uh, lindsey graham and neither of them are willing to come off of the horses they rode in on and i do mean that because they're both old as hell um neither of them are willing to come off the horses they rode in on and try to rally their party to a better a, a better day and a better way of trying to do things to get them done. And you never know. I mean, again, perhaps have some of that faith that uh, President-elect Biden was talking about. These are people that he's known for many years, some of whom he even had friendships with, and they will no longer have as their leader in terms of a a leader, um, commander in chief in the White House, who is um, is pushing a certain level of vitriol, which, of course, gives them courage to do what they do. But again, no guarantees there because they weren't always led by President Trump, right? I mean, these, these are the same individuals who were there when Donald Trump was not the president when he wasn't in the office spewing, you know, whatever it is on any given day, but we can hope and again, have faith about those better angels. And now I'm going to just uh, give you some of the thoughts of uh, Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley, when he talked about uh, this election, revealing a few things. And he said the reason this election is so close is because it's just as revealing about who we are and who we are not. And he takes it further and charges us to not be so focused on the election results that you miss the election revelations. And some of these I've talked about, other people have talked about because this is going to be a continual discussion. And there's three and based on even this hour that you have spent with me and hopefully you're still there you will know that i've basically touched on these because they're serious the first is the denial of racism or systemic racism and he said that what i you know that the only crime greater than the denial than racism itself is the denial that it is exi- that it exists again as i talked about earlier aside from the fact that you know it's insulting and all of that you are denying individuals experience if it is not yours fine god bless you you don't it's it's, it's a burden you don't want to have to carry but that doesn't mean that it doesn't Exist. You may not like it. It may make you terribly uncomfortable. But for all of your discomfort, imagine how it feels for those who live it. The second one, the devaluing of human life. The idea that individuals are expendable. And we see that. Over 200 people, 200,000 people die as it relates to COVID is what it is. People being killed in situations uh, with police officers, George Floyd. Uh, People with the initiative of officers, of course, uh, Ahmaud Arbery. We can go far back as Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, and the list goes on. And, of course, when I talk about that, individuals who will say, well, all the shooting that goes on in Chicago, and what about black-on-black crime, and white-on-white crime, and all of that, all considered expendable when it's not you. It is what it is. It's the cost of doing business, right? Oh, well we have to think about life in the same way that we think about again i bring it back to the criminal justice system because it's what i do you think about life in the same way you uh, we are supposed to think about that better umpteen men go free than one guilty man go to jail well think about life in the same way better that we don't have one man Dying, it or or ten people dying in the street. Ever, whether it's from disease, whether it is from poverty, whether it is from uh, at the hands of an officer. Sometimes you just let shit go, as opposed to the possibility that somebody would die. It's kind of like when they uh, certain police departments around the country decided that their officers, especially in places like New Jersey, when they had a lot of car thefts and uh, they are usually involving young people, that's still the car theft capital actually, that you don't chase them. A lot of times they're young, you're going to be end up involved in a situation where they will kill themselves or others in the midst of this chase. And more importantly, you don't film them for people to watch as if they're entertainment. Sadly, in this everyone wants to be famous world, if someone knows, if if, heaven forbid, one of these young people are in a chase and their friends are in the car and find out that they're on the air, they're liable to post it uh, up for people to watch live, and then what? Third, the violence that is prevalent in this country in general, so this goes back to some of the themes of number two, and the fact that people are okay with it, the clashes in the streets, the fact that we had a president that instead of trying to calm people down, pumped up the rhetoric and just put a fence around the White House. So just in case you all decide to tear people apart, largely driven by weeks of rhetoric telling you that if a situation goes to the left as opposed to to the right or to the right as opposed to the left, that someone did it that there were these bad people who did it on purpose. Case after case, instance after instance being filed, just feeding the rhetoric and people walking around scared because for all of the celebration that's going on, we all know that tension is so thick, it could turn on a dime. COVID or not, some of those celebrations still may have been 10 times bigger, even with the pandemic. But there is also an underlying thread of fear as well that runs through. So I would love to um, say that all of this is just happy, happy, joy, joy. And I am happy. You got that in the beginning. Oh, I danced to Mary J. Blige too. And I am uh, excited to see where we go. But I also know that the road ahead in the immediate future, not talking about after January 20th, although we know that won't be a bed of roses either because, you know, life is life. But just in the immediate future, the deluge of lawsuits that we will most certainly be talking about in the days to come, in addition to other gossip, as well as the um, the rhetoric, the tweets, some entertaining, some not so much, can be a little scary. I am going to have some hope, though. Um, I remember when... when President-elect Biden was giving the lyrics to the song um, that he uh, said that was a favorite of his, a favorite of him and his family. And it was um, the Raise You Up on Eagle's Wings. And that was a favorite in, actually, excuse me, in both of the Catholic schools that I went to both in, uh, for middle school and high school. Now, I'm not Catholic, but I went to Catholic school my whole, from like age four through 12th. It's it's a Northeast thing, don't worry about it. So, um, and I could hear that song in my head because it was also one of my uh, favorite songs to sing that in, in Ode to Joy. And I would like to think that not only is it's wonderful if your family has a hymn, but also our symbol is the American eagle. So to think about being raised up on eagle's wings and, and bearing you on the breath of love, I think breath of love, a breath of joy, it would be exciting if we all We're bared up on eagle's wings, but those eagle's wings being those of America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. And just that promise that comes along with it, because as much as people are angry, most of us wouldn't dream of being anywhere else as it relates to the opportunities that this country affords us even, and the freedoms, of course, even if they are distributed imperfectly. So I'm going to leave you with the uh, last few minutes of President-elect Biden's speech. And if you stick around and listen to it, great. If not, come back and listen to it later. In the meantime... As always, follow me on all social media platforms. On Facebook, you can join our fashion and drama diaries where, yeah, we talk about some of this stuff, but the politics not quite as deep now that I'm doing the podcast um, because obviously I can do various topics here. So we definitely get uh, into a lot more of the fun stuff over there. So if you're interested in the celebrity gossip fashion, all that stuff, you'll get it there. Um, you'll get some of that here, but right now, obviously, we've got other priorities. The uh, Also, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Be Honest, JJ, that's L-E-T-S-H-O-N-E-S-T-J-J for just Jonda and be sure to dm me if there's any topics you'd like me to discuss or questions you'd have if there's other podcasters and you want to get together on your show that is fantastic that's just the best way um that's the best way to reach me and i believe my email might even be there but um and of course i'm on all social media platforms if you have apple itunes go over there leave me five stars and some comments i'd love you for it and as always If you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, I'm thinking about it, and I want to talk about it with you. So let's be honest together. And again, I'm just going to go out with the words of our president-elect. has always been shaped by inflection points.
1: By moments in time where we've made hard decisions about who we are and what we want to be. Lincoln in 1860...
0: Coming to save the Union. I enjoyed this little history lesson. In 1932, promising a beleaguered country a new deal. JFK
1: in 1960, pledging a new frontier. And 12 years ago, when Barack Obama made history, he told us, Yes, we can. We stand at an inflection point. We have an opportunity to defeat despair, to build a nation of prosperity and purpose. We can do it. I know we can. I've long talked about the battle for the soul of America. We must restore the soul of America. Our nation is shaped by the constant battle between our better angels and our darkest impulses. And what presidents say in this battle matters. It's time for our better angels to prevail. Tonight, the whole world is watching America. And I believe in our best. America is a beacon for the globe. We will not lead. we will lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. I have always believed, man, you heard me say it. I've always believed we can define America. In one word, possibilities, that in America, everyone should be given an opportunity to go as far as their dreams, and God-given ability will take them. You see, I believe in the possibilities of this country. We're always looking ahead. Ahead to an America that's freer and more just. Ahead to an America that creates jobs with dignity and respect. Ahead head an America that cures diseases like cancer and Alzheimer's. Ahead to an America that never leaves anyone behind. Ahead of an America that never gives up, never gives in. This is a nation. It's always been a bad fit to defend against America. We're good people. This is the United States of America. There's never been anything. been able not able to do when we've done it together. Folks, in the last days of the campaign, I began thinking about a hymn that means a lot to me and my family, particularly my deceased son Bo, and captures the faith that sustains me, which I believe sustains America. And I hope, and I hope it can provide some comfort and solace to the 230 million thousand Americans lost a loved one through this terrible virus this year. My heart goes out to each and every one of you. Hopefully this hymn gives you solace as well. It goes like this, and he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, and make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. And now together, on eagle's wings, we embark on the work that God and His have called upon us to do with full hearts and steady hands with faith in america and in each other with love of country a thirst for justice let us be the nation that we know we can be a nation united a nation strengthened a nation healed the united states of america ladies and gentlemen there's never never been anything we've tried we've not been able to do so remember as my grandpa, our grandpa used to say when I walked out of his home, when I was a kid up in spread, he said, Joey, keep the faith. And our grandmother, when she was alive, she yelled, no, Joey, spread it. Spread the faith. God love you all. May God bless America and may God truth.